0: You're listening to Philly Who, the podcast that tells the stories of the doers, thinkers, and performers of Philadelphia. My name is Kevin Schmidlin, and today I'm talking with Nicole Purvey. Nicole is the founder of Better Than Success, a multifaceted business which includes a digital marketing agency, a real estate investment league, and a podcast. She's also the founder of Philly Real Estate Week, an annual citywide summit that celebrates real estate planning, development, and wealth building. Before founding Better Than Success, Nicole was a rising star investment banker, but she felt restless in the corporate world. And when she started a YouTube channel making financial education videos, she got fired.
1: I felt a little scared. I felt anxious. I felt very naked. Now I'm such a warrior where like something like that, like that's Tuesday breakfast.
0: In this episode, you'll hear how she would spend a decade bouncing between different careers and businesses. And while each one found success, she would finally find her true calling in building a community around real estate.
1: The crazy thing is I always wanted to do real estate. And I will just always exit out of my head because I thought that I had to have a lot of money.
0: And you'll hear how even though she grew up in Philly, at first Nicole swore off of living here. But eventually she'd come back and find it to be exactly what she wanted.
1: And that was one of the things that made me change my mind about Philadelphia. It's a lot of opportunity right now.
0: All this and more about Nicole Purvey, Better Than Success, and her long journey to finding her true passion. Now on Philly
1: Who. Eight years of being broke. Like broke. Finally. I finally figured it out.
0: Just a heads up, there is some cursing in this episode. So, Nicole Purvey got a business degree from Temple Goals in 2005. And in the 13 years since, she has called herself investment banker, fashion boutique owner, nightclub manager, web designer, author, podcaster, and, among others, real estate community leader. And while all of her current businesses are neatly organized under her company, Better Than Success, until recently, she didn't feel like she was quite where she was meant to be. But despite this discomfort and the struggle of bootstrapping her own business, she knew the whole time that she was headed in the right direction. This decade-long perseverance was made possible by her many talents, her strong faith, and the examples set for her while growing up.
1: I was very fortunate to have been raised around a lot of very strong entrepreneurial women. My great-grandmother on my father's side, rest in peace to Grammy, she was like, we were really, really close. My father was her favorite grandchild, and I'm pretty sure I was her favorite great-grandchild. <laughs> um, we won't tell any
0: of your cousins. No, ever. we won't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And um, so growing up, my parents and I, we lived a block from her and she had a daycare that she ran out of her house. She watched me growing up. So I probably spent more time with her than I did with my parents. She was an amazing woman. Me and my mother, we moved to, um, my aunt owned a building. She owned a very large daycare. And me and my mom, we lived in a one bedroom apartment I mean this apartment was so small that in the bedroom the only thing that fit was my twin size bed and a dresser, like the tall dresser. Wow. That's all that could fit in. There. That was that was it. That was it. My mom slept on a sofa bed and um my aunt, she ran a daycare. And so like every day go downstairs to the daycare, I'm attending a daycare, my mom go to work, come pick me up, whatever. And so just I spent a lot of time with my aunt even though the daycare was really big it was probably I don't know like 60 kids that went to this daycare like I've run into people all the time out and they're like I remember you you were Miss Val's niece from the daycare I'm like I don't remember you know how many kids are still coming in at <laughs> <of> that place <laughs> and I later ended up working there as a that was my first job when I was 12 but uh, we lived above the daycare so I really got to see my aunt like this is what I see my aunt is this all other boss woman who owns this huge daycare but I just was always around these boss women that had businesses and just kind of, like, ran stuff. Like, Grammy didn't take no for an answer. Like, she was, like, a complete...
0: <laughs> Did you want to grow up to be like her?
1: Um, You know, not consciously. Definitely on a subconscious level. I think it was just always a question of, I know I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I've always been like that, like... At Growing up, my mom always used to say to me, like, I didn't have a lot of rules growing up. Like, I never had a curfew, never. But I always got straight A's and I always came home at a respectable hour. And so the times when I did get in trouble, my mom will always be so surprised that she will always say to me, I don't give you these freedoms because I don't want to have to follow after you. I give you these freedoms because of the type of kid that you are. And so that will always make me be like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry,
1: so yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's worse than being yelled at, right? When, I know, when I like, really? right? like You're you disappointed <laughs> Can you me? Can you just yell at me, please? Because <laughs> right. this is worse.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just think it was just my reality that I just grew up around these these boss women. And it was like, okay, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because that's just my personality.
0: So so you you wound up attending Temple.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you studied finance.
1: So I actually went to Philadelphia Textiles Fashion Design. What is the name of that school? Jefferson U now. So I went there for fashion design my first year. I realized, like, I was like, I need to make money. I want to make money. My mom was really upset with me that I didn't stay in school for fashion really? design.
0: So, so you, that, that's funny because that tends to be the opposite. You know, the parents want you to go study money and right. the, the, the kid wants to do something more artistic and creative. So why did you want to study business?
1: I just wanted to make money. Yeah. I was like, know, oh, these people aren't coming out of school. And that school was expensive. It's like, th- it was like, then it was like 30 grand a year. Like there's been a huge bump in tuition rates from when I went to school from 2001 to 2005 to now. And it was already 30,000 a year. So, and I'm like, these people aren't coming out of school making money. Like, no, I want to make money. So I went to to Temple for finance.
0: So then once you got the degree and it was time to enter the real world, did you... Feel
1: like it was the right move at that time? I was just so anxious to graduate and make money. I remember saying, which this was a bad analogy, but I remember saying all the time when I was in school, this feels like prison because I wanted to get out and like do stuff and travel. And like I couldn't because I had to like go to class right, like, right, and yeah. be available to professors. Like,
0: <laughs> I was say college would be great if not for the classes, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Now you became an institutional bond trader by the age of 21. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's, that's impressive. Cause that's usually,
1: usually older guys,
0: right? <laughs> so, I mean, at that point, you know, a 21 year old female, were you taken seriously by your colleagues? i forced people to take me seriously, okay. right?
1: Like if you focus on, I think just in general in life, if you focus on like what people, other people are doing wrong, you can just get caught up in all the wrong things. Yeah. Like when I was trading retail, I had a really great boss. I started out as a trading assistant. I was a half trading assistant and half administrative assistant to the director of fixed income. And so there was a a job open on the taxable side. They said, okay, you can have this job. You can, you know, as an assistant, you'll get another $5,000 bump after you pass your test, which I already know I'm being grossly underpaid. Yeah. And I don't ever want to make it a race thing, but I was the only black person. I was the youngest person. Yeah. There were literally only two other women it was probably like maybe 30 traders. Wow. Right? Two. Two. I don't know if it's age, race, <laughs> sex, or just a combination. I don't know. But I know that no one else was making as little money as me. Like yeah. I knew that for a yeah. fact. But it was like, whatever. I'm just happy to be here. I was doing well. And I had just gotten a promotion. But I always wanted to move to California.
0: Was this in where? where? Was this in New this York? This was in Philly. This was in Philly. Okay. This was in Philly. So you had the dream of moving to California.
1: So I wanted to move to California. I was like, okay. So when I was in college, I was living with my boyfriend and I worked at Nordstrom in the lingerie department, but I was one of the top salespeople in the whole store and I was working part-time. And so I was killing it. Like one year, I made like 60 grand. When I finally got a regular job, I dropped down to making 34 grand, 40, right? So I'm like, okay, they gave me this $5,000 bump. This is not enough money for me. I know that this is going to be a while before they give me another bump. Like, it's going to be a really long time. So I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to move to California. If I get a job, an entry-level job, because the cost of living is higher in California, I'm going to be making more than this. I had already looked up, like, finance entry-level positions in California was like 50, 60 grand. And this is before the market crash. So jobs were flowing freely. And that I can live with my dad and share a room with my brother, and I'm not paying rent. So everyone thought I was super happy at the job. And I mean, I I did really did like that job other than my direct boss. But I put my two weeks in and I had been like traveling back and forth, but I couldn't find a job. And my dad was like, sometimes looking back, this was a very selfish thing for him to say. Sometimes you just got to move to a place to to make it work. And I was like, you're right. That's a stupid advice. <laughs> so
0: it, did, it didn't work out that but way? But it did work out. <laughs> it did. So it was right. <laughs> so it was right. Oh, yeah. So
1: I, I moved May 12, 2007. And I I, I ended up getting a job. Like a, my first interview, I moved May 12, 2007. And I think my first interview was offered to me. Like whatever that first business day was.
0: Okay. So you moved to California. and But you stay in the finance game at that point. I did. But you wouldn't wind up staying in finance.
1: No. Because, so I, I worked at this one job that I absolutely hated. It was boring. It was in Newport Beach. I didn't particularly like Newport Beach. I didn't particularly like traveling down there. And I had an incident, I wrote about it in my book, where I had an incident where some, I was sexually harassed and the company literally did nothing. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna find another job. So I ended up finding another job, making a lot more money, a lot more money. And it was close. It was like down the street from my house, which Newport Beach from where I lived was an hour away. And then this was like literally right down the street from my house. So it it worked out.
0: So you upgraded again.
1: I upgraded again. (laughs) And I said, okay, Nicole, this is a lot of jobs in a little bit of time. If you don't like the job, this is the industry. It's not you.
0: And I'm guessing you didn't like the job.
1: It wasn't even that. It was, I just had this burning thing in me, like my gifts aren't being used. So I started a web series. I started a web series called The Bond Girl where I was educating people about finance from this like hip hop urban perspective. I wasn't giving any advice. I was just telling people like what Fed funds were, what, you know, who Ben Bernanke was. like.
0: So just like, like layman's explanations. Right,
1: right. And when you're in finance, you can't, like especially if you have licenses and all that, you can't do anything. And I never cleared it with my job. And I kind of secretly, I think I wanted to get fired. I know I did. And even my boss had pulled me to the side and was like, Yeah, you got this thing going on. You might want to, you Not know. Do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, Mind your business. <laughs> Fire me.
0: <laughs> so you knew while you were making these videos that it was a potentially fireable thing?
1: I, you know what it was? This This is how I thought. In the language in your contracts, it says that you can't give investment advice. I wasn't giving investment advice.
0: You were just explaining terms and. Right. The- situations.
1: Right. So I thought that that was a defense enough, but there was also a reckless side of me because I really did. I really, I knew I wasn't doing what I was put here to do.
0: So it goes down, they let you go. Do you remember how you felt that day? Like when you went home that night?
1: I felt a little scared. I felt anxious. I felt very naked, just naked. Now I, I, I'm, I'm such a warrior where like something like that, like that's, Tuesday breakfast. <laughs>
0: right. Bring it on, right?
1: Right, exactly. But like I was just anxious, but I wasn't as scared as you would think.
0: Because you knew that your destiny was elsewhere.
1: And it was just all about like buckling down and figuring out.
0: Right. So you began to buckle down?
1: I began to buckle down. I opened up an online boutique. And now if you were to start an online boutique, you could go on Instagram and find a bunch of Chicks that have online stores and be like, okay, I want to do it like that. Like the only thing that I had to model myself after I, like nasty gal had just kind of blew up. I thought that I would love it, but I hated that as well. Like running an online boutique. You didn't like that either. No.
0: You didn't have a background in this No, and there was nobody to model off of, but you still figured it all out. I did. You did it on your own.
1: I'm a, I'm a professional Googler.
0: Googler. (laughs) That's what I say software developers are. (laughs) They are. You are. (laughs) Like,
1: for sure. I mean, I had to to teach myself web design, graphic design. I had to from scratch. Like, I had to teach myself photography. I had to teach myself. I've not even never been a good makeup artist, but I had to teach myself how to be makeup artist to my models.
0: The boutique, though, still became it did, a successful it did, business.
1: It did. Oh, I wouldn't say a successful business.
0: <laughs> it became it a business. Did,
1: it, it was a business <laughs> that put money in my pocket. Gotcha. <laughs> but what ended up happening was people started noticing me for the web design work. And they were like, the business looked bigger than what it was. And so people started hiring me. And it was just so much e- easier money, like way easier money. So... In running the boutique, I had started a blog for it and I was selling like party dresses, right? Like dresses that you wear when you go out to the club. So I was like, okay, I'm, I I still was doing a good amount of traveling. What I'm going to do is I'm going to write reviews of nightclub. Like I was doing everything on this blog. I was like releasing new music. Like the blog was getting more traffic, which is good, which is what it's supposed to. Getting way more traffic than the actual the, web, business. the business.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like, I was running this blog. Like I was getting... Backlinks from Wikipedia. Oh, wow. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> legit. Yes. It was, Wikipedia. it was. So I'm cranking out like 12, 15 articles a day running this blog. <sighs> right.
0: You're writing them all? Yes. Goodness.
1: It was all me. Wow. So I came to Philly to visit one time and I went to this club um, called Vault at the time. And I came and I, I came back home and I wrote an article about it. Like, and I had, so I had. I would write like a little paragraph and then I had ratings for different categories and it was like high heels. Yeah. (laughs) He gets five heels, (laughs) right? Nice. So the guy that ran vault hit me up and he was like, yo, I seen your article. I see your website. Like I am a graphic designer, web designer. I don't know anybody urban in our space that does what we do. We need to meet. We met up and he was just like I have no one I could talk to this about like and this is early in the digital marketing before it hit a critical mass the way it is I don't because people have been doing it for 20 years so he's like listen I'm running this nightclub and the guys that own a the club they want to run it the old way they printing off flyers like yeah. no this is not the world <laughs> that's not the world anymore right, like right. so I don't have anybody that I can help me do this and so me and him we started a friendship his name is Justin um, Justin Carson shout out to Justin So we started a friendship and then um, we ended up getting some contracts together. So I'm in California. He's in, he's here. And we started working on some bigger projects together where like he's always the visual person and I knew how to SEO and build websites like the right way. And so I'm building the infrastructure and he's dropping it making it look really pretty. And we're doing it for a couple of um, pretty reputable clients. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is, this is really good. So one day I come here to visit And vault just closed down. He's like basically crying to me, like, "Yo, I keep having the same problem with nightclubs. I open it up, it's beautiful, it's great, it's got the best looking people in the city, and then they somebody brings in these ratchet promoters, and then the club changes the quality, and then somebody gets shot, and then it's a wrap." And so he's like, "I don't know how to solve this problem." So I said, "Well." When I first, right before I first moved to LA, it used to be this club that I used to, I would go and visit. It used to be this club called Xenny. in LA. In LA, and um, the club was really cool because you paid a, a monthly fee, and the location—I think it was once a month—the location changed, and uh. the only people who knew where it was would be the people who paid the monthly fee, and they would always have somebody really dope perform. Like one time. Jamie Foxx performed. This is when Jamie Foxx had his album. Another time, yeah, yeah. Janet Jackson performed. Wow. And I like, I would go, it would be Lamborghinis. Every, it was just, it was amazing. It was like the it club. And when I was living there, one of my girlfriends, she was a lot older than me. And she used to go all the time. And she always used to reminisce about this club. Like, Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, it was a go-to, this, right? Did,
1: right? So I said, this is how they did it. This is how they kept it high quality because they had a membership. So we just started brainstorming on this idea about this membership. So I'm like, yo, you should do a club that's got a membership and this, 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 that, and other. He's like, yeah, that's a really good idea. So fast forward, a year later, we're still working together. 2012, and he's like, listen, I got a new club spot. I got a location. You know, we got a lot of money back in this, and I want you to come and implement your idea. And I'm like, no, you can take the idea. I'm not coming back to <laughs> Philly. Say all right. And then he keeps begging me. He's begging me for about a month. I was like, all right, listen, I'll come back for a month. That's it. And I will help you set this up. That was 2012. I have not left since then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, So, yeah, why? Why? All right,
1: so this is what happened. What
0: happened? The month became, what, six, seven years? The
1: month became two months because, of course, they didn't open on time. Right, right. Maybe, so the first month it was just opening. By the time that second month that... Second full month, it was beautiful. It was people in the club. I'm like, where are these beautiful people hanging out in Philadelphia? Like, <laughs> we busted them in, right? right? exactly. What is happening? <laughs> I'm supposed to be managing the staff. I don't know anything about any of this, okay? So I'm like managing these people. They love me, the staff. But then I'm in the back and they're like, our bottle girl service, she called out. Can you be a bottle girl? <laughs> mm, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> so like we would get into fights. Because I was just like, I'm only supposed to be here for a month. In the meantime, if I research to go look at another club, at the same time, it was another club that opened up called Aura, right? So I'm doing research. I go to this club, Aura. I go to Aura and I'm like down in the regular common folk area. And so this guy that I know comes over to me and he's like, hey, my friend who's in VIP, he wants you over there. And when you're young and you're in the club and I'm single... Like, that's the best thing ever right. as a woman is like, whew, I don't have to be here with these commenters yeah. anymore. <laughs> I go over to his section and he's just like, oh, you know, he's just talking to me. Very respectful. Very respectful. And then so he asked me what I did. I said, I I, I run a I have a I do digital marketing I do websites, whatever. And he's like, me, and you need to talk. But guys always say that, you know, you know, right. And so he's like, I'm not even going to come at you how I was going to come at you because we definitely need to talk. So I said, okay, cool. So he, he calls for a meeting, maybe like, so that was like a Saturday or Sunday. So it was like, maybe like Thursday. And in my head, you just don't expect anything. I don't know what, so I go and he like runs this super reputable business, like super reputable. So he's like, listen, I had a web person. He was horrible. And I need someone and show me what you've done.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm like, oh, this is like a real, okay. So you're right. seeing
0: an opportunity here.
1: Right. So he asked me how much I wanted to run his digital marketing. He didn't even negotiate me.
0: You just said X and he said, okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: We literally just stopped working with him a month ago. Oh my goodness. He's been our client all the way all up until a month ago.
0: You went to the club that night. <laughs> yep. So was it hard for you to convince yourself to move back to Philly at that point? Because you said that you told yourself it wasn't happening, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I hated every moment of it for about two years. Wow. Why? So from, I'd say probably from the early 2000 up until very recently and, and still goes on now, there has always been this shared idea amongst Philadelphia that this is, Philadelphians that this is a horrible place. Yeah. So I was a part of that whole camp until about, Two or three years ago, I don't know what made me open my eyes and I saw all the amazing things that was happening in the city, like the city is changing. I said, you know what? You better like this place because you were put here to be in a very advantageous position. So you better figure out how to like it. And that was partially why we started the Real Estate League, which was come later in the story. That was partially why we started it. Because it's like, if I'm going to be here, it's not what I want it to be just yet, but at least I can control. Like I can create an environment of people around me that I like, of people, enterprising people around me, people that, you know, really understand wealth building and like, so as I'm growing, I'm growing the business, I'm getting more and more other clients and it grew to the point where I couldn't do it out of my living room anymore.
0: And it was time to start hiring?
1: It was start. Yes. That was why I moved into the office because I hired someone in my living room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this is not a good place for you to be. Let's find it. You go out and find a a spot for us.
0: I'm going to go take my pajamas off. We're going to go find an office.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly how that went. (laughs) So we moved into that spot, four or five employees at any given moment. And we're running. We're going. We're growing. It was stressful.
0: Right. We're talking about lighter now, right? Yes. Okay. So. This business is growing. Now, at this point, you mentioned how you were kind of hopping around from finance to fashion to here to there. At this point, as this is growing, did you feel like at that point you were where you were meant to go? Still no. no. Okay.
1: I knew that it was where I needed to be right then. But I knew it wasn't my destiny. But I knew that I had a task. How did you know that? I don't know. Intuition. (laughs) Yes, intuition. I knew because things were happening for me but it was just by the hair like every week money or clients or it was just by hair not enough to make let me feel comfortable but enough to be like you're doing the right thing keep going just those little bits of
0: validation to keep you on the path it sounds like you could feel what was building yes and that you enjoyed that feeling
1: yes and it's so funny because i just interviewed to be on a very prestigious board Like literally at 1 o'clock today And They were interviewing me asking me all these questions about myself And they, they were like wow you're doing so much Do you even have time for this And I, I'm like, i like First of all I don't feel like I'm doing enough And second of all We didn't have a lot of time The interviews were in 15 minute in, in, increments So I didn't go into it But I wanted to say like When you've got to make payroll And Delegate responsibilities to your staff all while building a site in two days, you learn how to, and these are the things that I'm glad that I learned. Like I know how to get a lot of stuff done and still figure out how to have time for myself.
0: At what point then while you're building this business, did you get the idea that you wanted to start sharing your thoughts on a podcast
1: okay all right so this is how this happened my mom who's crazy digital marketing person she has like her own she goes and speaks at conferences and all that stuff yes i'm super fortunate to have her she kept telling me to start a podcast years ago and i wouldn't do it wouldn't do it wouldn't do it I, I finally did it so i did like three episodes it was called The fashion show I don't remember but I talked about I went through like all the big fashion news and talked about it and then went through three episodes and I was like all right I just never made it past three episodes so then when we had lighter I started something called the e-commerce success show so you know they say 90% of podcasts don't make it past eight episodes whatever the percentage is something crazy but I know it's eight episodes So it was called the e-commerce success show. And it was supposed to be for people who have e-commerce businesses. That podcast never took off because for two reasons, as I look back on it, one, I just got the eight episodes and then that was it. It just never kept going. But two, it never took off because people who have e-commerce businesses don't identify themselves as having e-commerce businesses, right? Like they may know it, but they don't wake up and be like, I'm going to Run my e-commerce business today. <laughs> yeah, I'm an
0: e-commerce business person. <laughs> right? Nobody says that.
1: Nobody says They don't That's identify not, with that word. Right. right? And I was only doing it because at the time we were getting a lot of e-commerce clients. This, I said, you know, I really want to do a podcast. What I need to do is do a podcast on a topic that I love. So I listened to this. Um, it's a very short podcast series by John Lee Dumas called... Um, It's like starting your podcast one-on-one. So it was like, it's like an eight episode thing. And one of the things he teaches you in the first episode is you have to do it on something that you love because there's going to be so much time where you're not going to be making money. And the only thing that's going to keep you doing is the fact that you like it. You Mm -hmm.
0: know, right? Very familiar.
1: Exactly. So he was like, a lot of times people don't know what they love. So do this exercise. I think it was like, I don't know, five days or a week. Ask someone different, have a conversation with them about what it is. Do they think that you love? Ooh. Right. I'm no, I'm not doing it exactly, but it, it's pretty like ask, ask the people that are closest to you. What do they think you love? And have a whole conversation with them.
0: Yeah.
1: I got to like, I think it was like ask five people. I got to like three people and it was all like, you really love business development. Yeah. You love business. You love but business. But you didn't know this about yourself. I didn't realize it. Wow. No. Holy Right. Crap. I didn't realize it. I'm <laughs> like, Okay. All right, so I want to start this platform to sell lighters business. But what I do know is that because I've had two businesses with really awkward names, like lighter was really awkward for people to say. I don't want to start another brand, especially not a podcast, that's got a really awkward name. Yeah. So we literally sat and brainstormed, me and the staff that I had at the time, over the name. Wow. For like weeks.
0: Did you come up with Better for Better, better than, than, No, I didn't. You didn't come up with it. Do uh-uh. you... So... When it was suggested, did you like it right away, or is it something that grew on
1: you? I think I liked it, but I was so out of my emotions that I was like, "Yo, do other people like this?" So they did. So I was like, "Okay, better than success was originally supposed to be a blog, because I was going into I already knew the blog formula, and then we'll sell our services." So it was like, "Okay, so now I'm running better than success lighter, and we going, we going, we going, we going." I end up getting this client who was in real estate. They had a conference at the conference. I spoke about marketing and one of the other speakers had this real estate club called House Jerk. And when he saw me speaking, he's like, I'm trying to expand and you are phenomenal. I need you to be the Philly version of House Jerk." And I'm like, this is perfect because I wanted to learn real estate. And so, yes, let's do it.
0: So, you didn't know much about real estate at this time?
1: Not really. I knew a little, m- more than the average person. Enough but, to
0: know that you wanted to know more.
1: Right. The crazy thing is, I always wanted to do real estate. And I think I always exited out of my head because I thought that I had to have a certain amount of money or whatever. When I went to college, I was a real estate and finance double major. And I just always exited out of my head because I thought that I had to have a lot of money. Isn't it crazy how it all comes full circle? It always does. No matter how much you it want to you spend 10 years of your life, you won't come back to it, whether you like it or not. So we started it here with the understanding that he was going to give us a lot of support. And he was coming back and forth once a week. We were just students, just trying to figure it all out. So at our first meeting, it was only four people. My cousin Nina, my friend Sean, and this other guy who never ended up coming back. And so just as we went on, it just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. So as we're growing, we like, okay, I know you're coming down here and you're helping us run these means, but we actually need you to help us do real estate. And so he wasn't able to help us. And I was like, listen, I'm putting a lot of resources into this. on top of the fact that the way that the the fee structure was structured, it was almost like um, a multi-level marketing thing. And I didn't do it for the multi-level more. I did it because I really wanted to learn real estate where like they would pay a sign-up fee and then we would get like very little money on the sign-up fee. And then every monthly fee, I would get like $5 per person. Meanwhile, I'm literally doing all of the work. Like you guys are doing nothing. <laughs> I'm doing everything.
0: So can you explain what what is what is it that you're doing? So for those who may not be familiar with a club like this.
1: We're a real estate club, but we also give people an immense amount of education and networking and resources. So it would take me a really long time for me to explain to you everything that we do because we do offer a lot of resources. But we have meetings every Wednesday night. Our members get access to the recordings. We... um. We do fun stuff together. We go out and look at, um, we do a rehab tour that you just did on Saturday. We do that once a quarter. We invest together. So for as little as $2,000 and none of your own credit, you could be a partner on a flip. Now you're not gonna make a lot of money off of $2,000, right. but you get the it experience. It gets um door, yeah. yeah. Right. We, um, we have a directory of service providers. That's one of the things that people always struggle with is finding contractors. The crazy thing is we offer so much value and like our members get access to our large events for free. The biggest thing is the networking, right? Like it sounds really corny, but that's the people that come to the networking events the most are the people that end up doing deals the quickest or that end up taking their real estate business to the next level faster. So we just, we do a lot of stuff for our members, but it started with this other group and me saying, you know what? This is taking a lot of my resources and it's not getting, I don't, I'm not getting what I need to learn how to do real estate. So I sat down the original people who came, my cousin, Sean, and then it was another guy that kind of infiltrated. He came to like maybe the second meeting. Yeah, this guy not named the Jabbar. Guy,
0: but
1: <laughs> not that guy. This other guy named Jabbar, who is like one of my best friends. I said, listen, we need to have a meeting. So I said, I can't do this anymore. So we need to do one of three things. Either we need to call the other guy in and make some demands, or we're going to shut this down. I was really secretly hoping to shut it down. We gonna shut this down, or we're gonna do it on our own because it's costing me a lot of money to do it, and I'm not making it from the residual. You know, the multi level marketing. Yeah, keys. it's
0: not worth it. It's not worth it.
1: I wouldn't care if I was if this like set me on a path to like do real estate tomorrow. I'd be like, whatever. That's this is the cost of doing business. It's okay because that's just the type of person I am. But like, no. So sat them down. I was hoping that they say we would close it down. I'm not lying to you. They voted unanimously that we would do it on our own. They was like, don't even go to that guy. We don't even like him.
0: So what are you thinking when they say that? Are you like, oh, no. Or are you like, oh, God. Like- <laughs> no, it was
1: just, I, no, I'm not that type of person. I'm I'm just a worker. Right. So Were you surprised
0: that that's what they wanted?
1: A little bit. Yeah, I was. I'm going to tell you what made me even more surprised. So I had already came up with a name just in case. And the name was something like The Wealth Builders League. I think that's exactly what it was. So I was like, all right, so this is our name. What do y'all think? The Wealth Builders League. They was like, that's cool. I said, and in that moment, I said, I have a really good idea. Y'all know how I already got the brand Better Than Success with the podcast? What if we call it the Better Than Success Real Estate League? And they all unanimous. That surprised me because I'm like, I'm not saying this because I want this to be about my brand. Right. I'm saying this because it sounds kind of cool and it does make my life easier because I'm already branding all these things. Remember, I was talking to you about that, right? Like that was stressful because I now had House jerk, Better Than Success and Lighter. So I'm like, what the what? So then they, they all voted on it. So I'm like, okay, cool. So now we got the Better Than Success Real Estate League. We got Better Than Success Podcast, Lighter. Let's just call it like Better Than Success Digital Marketing Agency. Sure.
0: I mean, when you say that, I know exactly what it is, right? Immediately, with no context, right? And I'm like, "Where can I sign?"
1: Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, "Okay, everything going under better than success. This is great."
0: That name, better than success real estate league. I, I, I don't. Know. I think league is my favorite part because it just you just feel so prestigious, right? It's like, yeah, you, <laughs> that was if you're, intentional. If you're in that league, you're gonna be owning everything. <laughs> that was very much so intentional. It. How long until? You guys had the idea to have Philly Real Estate Week.
1: That was May of 2017 when we decided to do it on our own. Then June, by June, now that we're doing it ourselves, we're like pulling all our resources out. Now I'm finally ready to invest. Finally ready, like in a month of doing it on my own from November. Because we started November of 2016, May 2017. Then in a month, okay, now I'm ready to invest. So i go to the wholesalers in the group. And I'm like, hey guys, what y'all got? I need some deals. So they're sending me all these deals that were like not good deals. And I'm like, guys, I've like poured out my heart and soul and trying to teach y'all what deals are. Like <laughs> these are not deals. So I said, you know what? I'ma do. I because y'all not listening to me, I'm gonna bring in the top people that I know. We're gonna do a one day event. It's gonna be a total money loss for me, which is totally cool. But I need y'all to be good wholesalers. And so we're gonna do a day-long thing and I'm gonna have wholesalers come in and teach you guys how to find deals and what is a good deal because y'all not listening to me so we did this event June of 2017 called the wholesalers and realtors Boot. it was called the wholesalers boot camp that's that was the name and so we brought in some heavy hitters like real heavy hitters and the event wasn't super well attended but it was only for our members so I was totally okay with it so um I mean we opened the tickets up to other people though But like we didn't have a lot of non-member ticket sales. Because that was my first time doing anything like that. But my member, that's all I cared about. I was like, yo, I'll spend money on educating y'all. I'm okay. I just want you guys to make money. And I also want you to bring me good deals. That's fine. So we did the event. And it did sell more tickets than I thought. We were in the black. And after we did it, that was the first time I felt it. Now I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: Really? This... Was it? This was it. And what about it? Was what you were supposed to be doing?
1: I can't explain it. I think I I like facilitating things,
0: bringing the people together,
1: bringing the people together, making sure it's going in, like making sure that people have the right formula to learn, right? Like people learn a certain way, and it has to be a combination of entertainment and information, and like I just like facilitating things. After we did that boot camp. It wasn't a whole lot of people there. It was a good amount though. We probably had like a hundred people there. I walked away and I was like, like my cousin will tell you, we were literally after the event, we were like packing up. I'm out by her car and I'm like literally dancing in the street. (laughs) I'm like, I finally found it. Wow.
0: After all this.
1: After all of this. Yeah. This is what I love doing. So in the process of marketing for that event, some woman, so... I just so happened to have asked a whole bunch of people that I knew that was like killing it in real estate. Like for real, for real, honestly, if I had the brand recognition that I have now, which is only a year and some change later that I had then, I could have easily charged $1,000 for those tickets. These are the people that I had there. So while we were marketing the event, it just so happened that they were all men. So some woman called me out on on Facebook and was like, what, there's no female wholesalers that could be a speaker at this event? And I said, Touche. What we're going to do after this is we're going to do a Women in Real Estate Summit. So we did that event. Immediately start planning for Women in Real Estate Summit. That event packed. That was last October. So the idea is our members get to come to the big events for free. And then if you're not a member, you pay for a ticket. And then a lot of times the non-members end up becoming members at the big events. So we did the Women in Real Estate Summit that blew my mind I didn't know that it was going to be the way that it was going to be
0: when you got there and it was so heavily attended what goes through your head
1: I'm like I couldn't believe it I'm like I'm not like that's the, the, the victory moment because I just took you through eight years remember all the I got fired from my job in 2010 right eight years of figuring out being broke like broke 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 That is when I was like, finally, finally. I'm like, wow. I finally found what I like doing it, but the event wasn't super big, but that was this victory. Yeah. When
0: you love it that much, it it doesn't matter because, because you, you, you feel so warm from the value that you added. Plus, you know, it's only going to
1: get bigger. Right. So then I was like, when we finally did, and then when we did women in real estate last year, and it was so heavily attended, I just was like,
0: you got it I you found it
1: i finally found it i finally figured it out so we do um women in real estate and then maybe shortly after no it had to have been before i got this idea i was like there's never been a philly real estate week we should do philly real estate week so we planned. we we had a lot of meetings we planned for almost a whole year june 4th through the 9th we did the first philly real estate week nine events in five days and it far exceeded my expectations I wasn't even real estate full time. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people was looking at me like, who should yeah, think she Yeah, I was, was going
0: to ask that. So did did you feel that from folks who, I mean. I felt
1: that from folks, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> like I didn't care, like not even a little bit. Like if y'all cared it. so much. Right. Then y'all should have been it. They would have done it. it. Right, right, right.
0: Well, that's the thing because they're probably, well, I mean, I don't know. Anybody, but just in general, in different industries, some people are too comfortable. They're not thinking of things like this. It takes an outsider's perspective to, to come up with Not only are not
1: thinking of things, but they're also only thinking of themselves. By nature, I have to think of other people. I will not, like when we first started the league and it took me a minute to do my first deal, I was so frustrated. I'm like, how can I lead these people and I'm not doing the deal? And then God told me, Don't worry about that. Make sure your job, you're really good at helping other people get to where they need to get to. Make sure that they're doing their deals and I'm going to take care of you. And guess what happened? When it was time for me to do my deals, my partner, she called me. This is one of my really good friends and she's financially well off. She literally just put a lot of money into a joint account. Like here, okay. I make all the decisions. We bought a house. She was like, okay, I'm gonna put some more money in there in case you need it. We did a flip together as a group. I put a lot of money into it, but I didn't, because we had a group, I didn't have to do a lot of work because I focused on making sure that everybody else was good first, you know? So by nature, that's how I approach everything that we're doing. I make sure I have a whole bunch of people, I make sure that they are good first.
0: So you've been quoted as saying that you loathe the word hustle. I do. Why?
1: Because first of all, if you look up hustle in the dictionary, you could, I mean, if you take it from its worst meaning, which is to swindle or the best possible meaning, which is to hurriedly do something like, I don't like living in that hurriedly and I'm not a swindler, right? Like there's a famous quote from Jay-Z, I'm a hustler, baby. I sell water to a well. Like that's cute for Jay-Z to say, right? but why would you sell water to a well? I'm not that type of business person. If you don't need it, I don't want you, like you don't have to buy it from me, right? The other thing is like, when you think about hustling and you hear all these people, these social media personalities, and they talk about hustling, it's all about giving you this really poor quality of life. And there is definitely an element of sowing and reaping, right? For sure, for sure. But you're not supposed to be in this, suspended state of having a poor quality of life and I'm very spiritual like anti-hustle my book is a Christian business book God doesn't want you to be miserable like there's tons and tons of scriptures that say like you stay up late and and you wake up early in vain right like you're not supposed to be doing all that if you just work smart and you be wise you don't have to kill yourself you really don't. So, like, people who are bragging about hustling, like, in the beginning, I did. But if I knew the things that I know now, if I had someone give me the anti-hustle, I wouldn't. Like, I worked so. Like, there are two incidences where I literally worked for one for 31 hours straight and one for 35 hours straight. The one, the time that I worked for 35 hours straight only took one 20-minute break. When I did the 31, I at least slept for, like, two hours in the office. How's that even possible? I don't fucking know. I don't 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 think it is.
0: So I have a few questions that I ask every guest to get different perspectives. I'm with it. If you could send a message to yourself in the past, what would you say?
1: Relax. Everything is going to be okay. I spent so much time and energy in the past worrying, 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 Just relax. Everything is going to work itself out.
0: Do you think that you might've missed a couple of moments to, you know, sort of savor what you were doing because of that? Heck
1: yeah. I was a professional worrier. I was, I was gold medal in the Olympics of worrying.
0: <laughs> That's good. Uh, what would you say is a common misconception about you?
1: I think people don't, um, people assume that I'm like uptight and not like silly. I'm like probably like the silliest person ever. I'm always cracking jokes.
0: From your perspective, which has many, many different angles, finance, real estate, web, marketing, life. What would you say is the biggest challenge facing Philadelphia?
1: This is going to sound Crazy. But I think it's trash on the street. The amount of trash that I see on the street is just a symptom and also initiator of some of the problems that we have, right? Like, do you throw trash down in your living room? If you were the type of person to throw trash down in your living room, how do you think you would feel about your living room?
0: I wouldn't want anyone to see it.
1: Or how do you, do you, do you think you would love it?
0: I wouldn't care about it, yeah.
1: Right. So, like, if I'm already a borderline bad person... And I'm walking down a street that's got trash everywhere. Subconsciously I'm thinking, nobody don't care about this. So why the hell would I care about this? Sometimes it disgusts me when I see, like, I mean, I've been to other places that's dirty, but this Philly just takes it to a whole nother level. Like, drive down the street, throwing trash out the window. What? This is your where you live. I feel very strongly about trash. So that's just my opinion. I think that if if there was some sort of citywide effort or, like, just some cultural push, and they try it. They really do. They, you see the ads about no littering and this is that and other. Like, there really needs to be something because, like, I just came back from London. and We were just talking about this. Like, people care there. There was no trash cans on the street. We were walking around Oxford Circus couldn't find a trash can for miles but guess what the streets <laughs> no were trash. clean yeah.
0: We'll, we'll find trash cans here and you'll still see it on the ground right and it's I think though just in people hearing that you know because it's it's one of those things that's like a crime of opportunity right like if there could be perfectly well-meaning people who love Philly walking down a trashy street with a you know a gum wrapper they see the trash they're likely to just throw it but if if you think about it that way maybe those people start putting it in their pockets. Maybe a couple people hear this. They start, you know, picking it up, clean up a block on a Saturday morning or something. That kind of thing cascades. It also reminds me of, I think it was the book Freakonomics.
1: Tipping Point. Tip,
0: okay, Malcolm Gladwell. Yes, yes. 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 And how all it, all it took, or at least what he says is all it took to, to help the crime problem in New York was is clean to, graffiti? to clean graffiti. Because you see graffiti, you're like, well, it's fair, anything's fair game, right? There's no rules here. But if you see a nice clean subway, you're like, ooh, if they care that much about graffiti, how much are they going to care about this other stuff? I think maybe we should try that with the trash. It's
1: a dirty city.
0: Yeah. On the flip side, what's the most encouraging thing you see in Philadelphia today?
1: Um, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know. And I mean, you can attribute it to all these different things, but Philly is definitely going through a renaissance period where people are more enterprising. People are are waking up. And I can really appreciate it because there are so many more just better things going on in the city, a lot of initiatives. And that was one of the things that made me change my mind about Philadelphia. Like I can see that something's happening, whether us old millennials and whether we like it or not, it's happening. People are putting a lot of money into this city. And when people put a lot of money into something, they're going to try to do everything they can to make sure that they get a good return on their investment. And so it's a lot of opportunity right now in Philadelphia um, just from all the investment that's happening.
0: Yeah. Finally, if you had one message whether a tweet, a billboard, an email, birdie, whatever that could reach every Philadelphian what would you say?
1: Everyone's going to hate this but it's okay. I don't even care. This is the thing that changed my life. Follow Jesus. I think I I definitely don't want to get into a huge religious conversation. I'm going to keep it super short and sweet. Sometimes people say that they're Christian and they're not. They don't really know what it says, what the word says. I think if you really take the time, you could free yourself from some of the bondages that we put our own personal selves into, right? Like, I have a friend who, amazing person, amazing human being, caught up, so caught up about money. And that's just such a bondage, whether you have it or not, right? Some people that don't have it, that's caught up about it. Some people that do. It's nothing like just being free. I mean, there are so many other types of bondages that we can be caught up into, right? You could be fighting with your mate, or you could have pride, or you could have whatever. Only thing I know that has freed me from some of the bondages that I've had is Jesus.
0: Check out the show notes for a link to Nicole's podcast, Better Than Success, and her book, The Anti-Hustle. You can also head to podphillyhoo.com forward slash better success. If you like the show, do subscribe, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. You can also follow along on Twitter and Instagram at podfillyhoo. Philly Who is a Q9 pod with editing by Max Graham, music by Lee Rosevear, and podcast cover art by Lauren Carhart. I'm your host, Kevin Schmidlin. See you next week.